Hello, and welcome back to the second year of the Food and Body Acceptance Podcast. This series is brought to you by third-year nutrition students at the University of Saskatchewan. Chelsea Cook, she, her. Carly Schaaf, she, her. Lauren Elder, she, her. And Dominique Lummerding, she, her. We would like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Cree, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, Dene, and Dakota people. Today's episode is hosted by myself, Chelsea, and my colleagues, Lauren and Carly. This episode is two parts. For the first part, we're going to chat with Ken Mullock, a trans health navigator. For the second part, we're going to meet with Brooke Ferguson, who's recovered from disordered eating. Ken shares the personal experience of a trans man and uses his life experience to help other LGBTQS plus members. If any of you guys identify as part of this community or wish to educate yourself on the topic, stay tuned for our interview with Ken. Hi, Ken. It's so great to have you here. Hi. Yes, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so as you said, my name is Ken Mullock, and my pronouns are he, him. Um, I'm calling in today from Treaty 4, which is Regina. And yes, I'm a registered dietitian and a trans health navigator. So what I do in my role is I help trans people access different health care needs and resources. Um, so I work one-on-one with trans people, as well as interprofessional teams to improve care pathways. And the lived experience that I bring is that I am a queer and gay trans man. And I'm very passionate about trans health. And I love creating awareness around the needs of our community. So aside from uh, my work, I also love social media. Uh, I love the beach. And I love hanging out with friends and eating good food. Thanks for sharing some of your likes and interests with us, Ken. Your role as the Trans Health Navigator sounds very interesting. And I think a lot of people don't know what you would do in your role. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so this is a new role for Saskatchewan. And it's been a lot of fun and very rewarding. What I do is I help trans people navigate their healthcare because as trans people, it's very difficult, especially in our province, to figure out where you can go if you need supports, if you want to get on hormones, if you want uh, to see a trans-friendly dietitian, if you want to get surgeries, if you need mental health supports, it's hard to know where to go. So that's what I help people get set up with, with the right supports. It's nice to see that Saskatchewan offers this new role, and I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of these kinds of positions moving forward, and I hope that we do. So moving on to our discussion for today, we're talking about eating disorders in the context of the trans and gender diverse population. Ken, how do the rates of eating disorders in the trans community compare to the greater population? Well, we see that in the trans community, there are very high rates of eating disorders. Um, so if we look at some of the studies that have been done, we see that trans college students experience four times higher rates of diagnosed eating disorders than cis heterosexual peers. So when I say cis, that just means not trans. So yeah, we see much higher rates of eating disorders. And this study is with folks who are diagnosed, but we also do see that there are so many undiagnosed eating disorders in the trans community. As a dietitian myself and someone who works in the trans community, I can say that this, this number is much, much higher. Um, we also do see that trans high school students are three times as likely to engage in disordered eating. Right? So trans disordered eating is very high. 
So this is a, a very prominent issue that affects you know people of all ages. Why are eating disorder rates so much higher among trans and gender diverse people? There are a few different reasons for this that we see. The first one, the biggest one, is seeking control. So as a trans person myself, speaking from my experience, we often feel that our bodies are out of our control and the way that people perceive us is out of our control. And so in order to, to find control in your life, people often use food uh, to find that control and using intake to modify different body features in order to fit into a body that you feel like you have control over. So that's one of the reasons. We also do see that another reason is using food to cope with stress and trauma and oppression. In the trans community, we see a lot of this. It's not easy to be a trans person, especially um, in a province that, that has a fair ways to go with inclusion and acceptance. So food is a way to cope. And then we also do see that trans people often fall into eating disorders to achieve medical care. So when trans people want to access hormones or surgeries, there's often a lot of pressure that healthcare providers give in order for trans people to fit into a certain size or to reach a certain level of health. So that often leads trans people to diet or engage in unhealthy behaviors just to receive this medical care. We look at surgeries for trans people. BMI requirements are always there. So trans people feel like they have to fit into a certain body in order to get the medical care that they need. This leads to disordered eating eventually. Wow. So having that, you know, reduced access to healthcare and that increased pressure from, you know, diet culture and healthcare practitioners really causes people to turn to eating disorders as as a solution, obviously putting them at a very, you know, very high risk. So what, you know, as friends, as family members, acquaintances, what can we do to support transgender loved ones with eating disorders? I think one of the biggest things that folks can do to support trans people is to see them and accept them for who they are. So use the right name, pronouns, and language that reflects someone's identity, regardless of the body they have. Don't ask about surgeries or hormones or someone's experience with their body unless they give you permission to. Some other good tips that I like to give is to be an, a buddy to a trans person if they're going to an appointment. If you're a parent, allow your kid or your youth to take steps in their medical transition. As a friend, you can go shopping with your trans pals to find new clothes for them or even help them pay for legal name and gender marker changes. All of these little little things help just take the load off of trans people and help them feel better about their experiences. I also like to say to celebrate all trans bodies because in media we seem to only applaud and praise trans folks who meet the beauty standards that cis people do. So we really need to start appreciating and celebrating all trans bodies. So we see acceptance as the common theme for helping, you know, trans and gender diverse people. And that can come in, you know, small gestures or big gestures. So we can, you know, do something as little as just using the right pronouns that can go a long ways. And if you want to play a larger support role, like you said, you can go shopping with them, support them and take them to medical appointments, things like that. In the context of healthcare, what can healthcare professionals do to combat the high eating disorder rates in trans populations? One thing that I love to say to health professionals is to 
be a cheerleader, not a coach with trans clients. So we have to listen to trans people as healthcare providers, listen to what their needs are. And if a trans person wants to start medically transitioning, we need to honor that and we need to help them with that rather than gatekeeping it. We need to make recovery less about weight restoring and more about, hey, we want you to experience the joy that life has to offer. There's this term that we talk about in the trans community called trans joy, which is the happiness and the satisfaction trans people experience when they're able to be themselves and receive the care that they need and feel aligned in their identity. So this is what we're striving for as health professionals is creating this trans joy. I love that. I think that having these conversations and advocating for trans joy is something that we need to move towards. I also like how you mentioned receiving competent care by healthcare professionals. Learning about these topics and talking to trans people is how we learn. It's how we're able to move forward with these changing times and stay up to date on everything gender diversity. Because trans people should know that, you know, we are allies and we're not coaches. We're here to listen to you. We're here to support you in every way that we can. So Ken, my question to you is what messages do you have for trans folks and gender diverse individuals who are struggling with eating and eating disorders? I think the biggest thing is to lean on your community because you are not alone. There are so many people going through what you are. And what makes our community really special is the strength we have to overcome and fight for ourselves. So you deserve to be celebrated. You deserve to be affirmed and cared for. And we will get you there. The community is here to help. And trans joy exists. So it doesn't have to last forever. I know it might be tough going through what you're going through right now. But as I said, trans joy exists. And the community is here to help you. It's nice to know that there is a community for trans and gender diverse people to turn to. For those looking for trans joy and a community that supports them, where can they turn to? Can you provide any references or resources for that? Well, first of all, um, Amy Pickering, the dietitian that works on campus as a dietitian, uh, she's amazing. She's very inclusive. So I highly recommend her if you're seeking a dietitian. And then in terms of connecting with your community, um, there's this organization called Out Saskatoon, and they have some amazing support groups and events and different peer supports that you can access in order to connect with your community and receive care that way. Lastly, I'd just like to thank you so much for coming on here and talking about these topics, your insights, knowledge, and firsthand experience really allowed us to learn about these topics of trans health and eating disorders. But before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to mention? No, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being great allies for the trans community. It means a lot. And, and this is how our community is able to thrive. So thank you so much. To continue the conversation about the LGBTQS plus community and about eating disorders, we have Brooke Ferguson, she, her, here with us to share her personal story about being a bisexual woman and her experience with disordered eating. As a warning, this episode may discuss triggering or sensitive content to some listeners. Hi, Brooke. We are so honored to have you here to share your story with us. Why don't we start by having you introduce yourself? 
Hi guys, thank you very much for having me. My name is Brooke Ferguson. I'm a 21-year-old student at the UA. I'm currently studying history and anthropology. I like to advocate for mental health and body positivity. I have a dog that basically takes up all of my time when I'm not studying, and that is pretty much a full encapsulation of me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, but it's great to get to know you a little bit better. Why don't we start by you explaining your relationship with food, dieting, and kind of where your eating disorder started? Absolutely. I think it really started when I started kindergarten, which is very early to think of, but I was about five years old when I had a really bad relationship with food start. I had a lot of parents make very rude comments about my body and my weight, which really altered my eating habits. My parents were super restrictive on the food that I ate. I was like on diets from the time that I was in first grade and constantly just trying to lose weight and exercise. And I was constantly outside and being physical. And I think that just really started a bad relationship with eating. I started closet eating and starving myself and binging by the time I was in third grade. Clothes never really fit me the way that they were geared for my age. I always had to shop for larger clothes. And I think that really had a harmful effect on the way that I viewed myself, which in turn took a bad relationship on eating because I never wanted to fully eat any meals. I wanted to lose weight constantly. It just started a really harmful self-image from a very, very young age, which was so instilled in me that it took years and years of progress to build a healthy relationship, which I'm still working on today. Wow. I'm so shocked to hear that it started at five years old. When it started that young, I can imagine it's really hard to retrain yourself and look at food differently when it did start at such a young age and when you did have parents reinforcing that behavior. That's almost traumatizing to go through as a five-year-old in kindergarten. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned that your parents would say negative comments about your weight. Do you have any recollection of what they said or what kind of comments? It wasn't necessarily my parents specifically, but parents of kids that I went to school with and even some teachers. I think those had the worst effect on me. My parents would make sly comments about stuff that I would eat and I need to back away from the table and stuff, but there were parents of kids that would say, like, oh, you don't want to end up looking like Brooke and like, you need to be careful. And yeah, it just constantly like, you don't want to look like her, which was really hard from a super young age. That is so heartbreaking to hear that parents and teachers contributed to your bad relationship with your body and food. And I'm really sorry that you had to go through that. You know, even going to school with you in elementary school, I was so oblivious to all of this happening. And I think most kids are. I would never have known that you were dealing with that until now. And I am truly shocked. 
would you also be able to touch on any friend or peer influence that you had growing up? I'd say that kids are always kind of mean. And if you're a little bit different, you're always going to get picked on. And that's just kind of how it is, unfortunately. There were a few people growing up that would very constantly tease and ridicule. But the friends that I did have were super supportive and I never felt uncomfortable and they never made comments about my weight or anything like that. It was more so, unfortunately, the older populations and people that you're supposed to look up to that had the worst influence on me. I think that I didn't overly have problems with my friends other than my own mind comparing myself to them. I think that that was the worst part because I always just felt bigger than everybody and I felt uncomfortable and but I never overly got ridiculed by my peers in the same age group if that makes sense. Yeah that makes a lot of sense. It's nice to hear that at least you had some sort of support system and that your friends weren't contributing to that. Now I would like to ask about media. You said that you started advocating on social media In what ways has the media contributed to your views on body image? Do you find that it has had negative effects? For the longest time, it was very, very negative. And I would almost avoid media because I would just constantly, that mentality growing that I'm not good enough. I'm not like these models that are on Instagram or it just, there's a lot of targeted weight loss and weight loss supplements. And I think that was really difficult for the longest time. It took me a long time to realize that it's important to really regulate the people that you follow. And I didn't realize that until a couple of years ago. I was still following accounts that were super detrimental to the way that I viewed myself and my habits. And it was, constantly just fitness models and just what I aspire to be I think that that was a very negative thing for me to have done for myself I just took that all out and I follow accounts that make me feel better about myself and are uplifting and aren't scrutinizing the way that people are eating but supporting people that are wanting to change that's what I advocate for as well I am super into self-love and acceptance and no one has to be a certain way or a certain size. It doesn't deter from your meaning just because you're a certain size. It's been quite a growing journey that I'm still working on because media, no matter what you do, there's always going to be negativity in the media. There's always going to be people throwing nasty comments at you. So it's a constant balance effect that I'm working on but it's important to realize that with all the good there's also going to be the negativity. I don't think many people contribute what they see on social media to having a negative effect on their self-esteem so I I really like how you mentioned cleansing your social media from images and people that weren't positively contributing to your life I think a lot of people have a hard time with hitting that unfollow button. So how would you say you worked up the courage to do that? Honestly, my one account got banned. I made a post about body positivity. I was wearing 
like what would be a bathing suit, I suppose. And yeah, my account got reported and I got banned. So I guess that was a huge step and I had to completely restart over. And when I did restart, I just realized that I don't need those types of people that are going to be reporting me. So I was very selective in the people that I would follow. And I just realized that my other accounts were kind of making me feel less than worthy, I suppose. I think it was just having to start from the very bottom and just realizing how awful it felt that me posting something like that would get banned when most people wouldn't. Yeah, that is so unfortunate that your account got banned for posting a picture that quote unquote slim women would get thousands of likes for. It is definitely not fair that those double standards exist. That kind of thing could also make you really scared to use social media. That kind of thing can make you scared to voice your opinions and let people know that this isn't right. So I really like how you still advocate for that. Can you also talk about the other messages you advocate for on your social media? Yeah, absolutely. I try to advocate heavily on mental health. Um, I've struggled with anxiety and depression pretty much my whole life, and I didn't realize what those were until I was in university. I had no recollection at all about what mental health was. I had no idea that I had an eating disorder. I try to advocate for that as much as I can, just so that if there are kids out there or people out there that are struggling but have no idea, I can put it in a light that other people would be able to relate and resonate with without feeling so alone. Yeah, that's amazing that you had the courage to do that. You talk about your eating disorder. If it is okay with you, did you get diagnosed or how have you kind of realized that you may have an eating disorder and how have you helped yourself get through that? I got diagnosed, I think it was two years ago, with binge eating and anorexic tendencies. Um, It took me seeing a therapist to even realize that I had an eating disorder. I had no idea because I am not super thin. I'm a heavier set woman. I always have been. So that idea never occurred to me. I wasn't making myself throw up. And it's just all I knew about eating disorders was anorexia and bulimia. And I never put myself in those categories because I never saw myself that way. And I think that it's really important to realize that there isn't a certain body type that deems an eating disorder. It took me getting professional help for my anxiety to even make the connection. I knew that I had a really bad relationship with food and my body, but I had no idea. I like that you mention an eating disorder doesn't fit one shape because I went through the same thing. In high school, I was fairly skinny, so I can't relate to being larger bodied, but I was kind of in denial and starving myself for about a year. And no one knew, not even my parents. I honestly did not even realize that it was an eating disorder, and I never got diagnosed. But now with all the education I received through school, I realized that it was an eating disorder but I never thought it was because I didn't fit into that standard or that shape or what people think an eating disorder is. 
You also mentioned that seeing a therapist was your first step. Mm -hmm. Have any other healthcare professionals helped you on your journey to recovery? That's a tricky question. Um, I'm not even sure because I only went to therapy a couple times because, you know, broke college student. I honestly could not afford it anymore. So I took the basics of what I had learned in my couple sessions and I just built on it myself. And it has been a tremendous amount of self work and research and finding those positive outlets. Yeah, that is totally okay. I can also relate to that. You said it took a lot of research, but do you have any tips or any advice on what you've done day to day to help you improve your relationship with food and your body? I think it just really started with reminding myself how important it is to fuel my body, especially when I am going to school. I'm constantly using my brain, and if I'm not fueling my body, I'm not going to get the performance that I'm after for this degree. And I think that was my main objective to begin with. That was my starting point was being able to fuel myself to get the results that I was after. And then I just slowly worked on, okay, I ate today. Now let's try to eat two meals next week. Let's try three meals. And if that's too much, I'd bring it back. But I, it was such a slow process, but it was I needed to do it for myself and it was just a constant no I need to make sure that I'm eating because I'm doing such harm to my body and my health and I can't barely it got to the point where I could barely exercise and I really enjoyed exercising but I had absolutely I had no strength to do it I could barely get out of bed in the morning it was influencing my depression it was causing issues with all of my relationships and it just it was, yeah, small steps. That's great that you mentioned that it's a stepping stone approach. It's really hard to fully dive in from totally restricting to eating those three meals a day. So I like how you mentioned you made gradual changes, like eating two and then trying to push for three. And if that was too much, just stepping back. So I really like how you mentioned that. You also brought up a great point about how it is a mental battle and constantly fighting with your own thoughts and reminding yourself about things like, no, I need to eat. I think that was a great thing to mention because it happens to a lot of people. You also seem very open about your struggles with food and your eating disorder, but how could peers and friends help someone who has an eating disorder when they necessarily haven't went through one themselves? I think that the main thing is patience. I know how difficult it can be to deal with somebody that won't eat, that won't go out in public, that won't wear shorts in the summer. It's really difficult to see people go through that and it's okay, why won't you just eat that? But I got that all the time. And it's just, it's really hard to deal with somebody when you have no recollection of what an eating disorder entails. So I think the number one thing is just patience. And just because you don't understand something doesn't mean that it's not real. I think another thing is never forcing someone to eat at a point that makes them uncomfortable because it can be a repulsive activity. I've had people 
make me eat and it has caused me panic attacks. It caused me to just get nauseous and it would throw me off for days and I couldn't, I was slowly building that relationship up with being able to eat. And then when people would put that pressure on me, I just, it felt like it set me back. So I think that healthy pressure is important, but forcing someone it to eat is unhealthy just as much as their habits. I already touched on it, but just because someone is not fitting the media portrayed standard of an eating disorder, I think it's important not to discredit that they don't have an eating disorder because I struggled with that a lot. I had family and friends being like, no, you don't have an eating disorder. Like you're not thin, like you're big, like you can afford to lose more weight. And I think that's, it just all comes down to being positive and being patient and not throwing that negativity and discrediting them. Yeah, I really like the part that you mentioned about not discrediting that individual because you really don't know what people are going through behind closed doors. Now, I also have another question for you. You are openly bisexual now, but that hasn't always been the case. How would you say that discovering your sexuality and being bisexual has influenced your relationship with food and your body? It all bubbled down to me being unsure of who I was. I constantly felt uncomfortable with myself. I never felt like I fit any sort of ideals of being in relationships. And when I was in heterosexual relationships, I found that there was a tremendous amount of pressure to stay thin, stay a certain size, continue to be working out, watch my figure, count my calories. It Um, could just be my relationship that I had formed with a man that was unhealthy. But I, I think it also bubbles down to me not being fully comfortable in my sexuality, which caused a bad relationship with my body and food. Because if I was constantly worried that if I didn't stay a certain size, if I didn't continue to only eat vegetables or so on and so forth, that I would lose that relationship. And I think I really struggled with self-confidence and coming out as bisexual and just enforcing that I am who I am, accept me or leave me has had a huge impact on my relationship with my body and food, which is crazy because I never expected that to have a ricochet effect with one another. But I think it all just came down to me being comfortable with who I am as a person. And my sexuality made me comfortable with my eating habits and my body progressing through my life. I have been dating women. I haven't been in a heterosexual relationship since I was, I think, 18. So I think that has a huge effect. I was trying to be something that I wasn't. And I was trying to attain a body that wasn't healthy for me. And I was trying to just fit the standards that I thought my ex-boyfriends at the time were wanting. I can relate to you in that way. I am heterosexual, but sometimes I still find myself wanting to be smaller 
or fit into the small type of standard for the people I am dating. I also think that you being afraid to be yourself adds a lot of stress, which stress can contribute to eating disorders. So kind of relieving that stress and being open to who you are, I think that is super brave and takes a lot of courage. And I am so happy that you were able to embrace it. But before we go, is there anything you want viewers to take away from today? I think that slow and steady wins the race. That's definitely my outlook on things. Just be patient with yourself. Practice that self-love every day. Say one thing a day. That Why do you love yourself today? I think that's so important and it just builds a good relationship with yourself and that will ripple into all of other aspects of your life. I love that question and I think it would be a great question to add into a journal. So this is the end and I want to just thank you because it's not easy sharing such a personal experience. So it's been great that you had the courage to open up to us and the listeners. Advocating and speaking about sensitive topics like you did today really contributes to the awareness of eating disorders and will resonate with others who are struggling. So thank you for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you very much for thinking to have me on here. I appreciate that. It means a lot to know that my message is going as far as being able to be invited onto something as this. It means a lot to me to be able to share my story and hopefully have a positive effect. Absolutely. I think you were the perfect guest to advocate for all these important topics. And I think you shined a light on aspects of eating disorders that people don't always consider. So just thanks again for being here. Over the past three episodes, we discussed topics like health at every size, intuitive eating, body neutrality and acceptance, diet culture, the LGBTQS plus community, and eating disorders, along with the personal story of someone who had an eating disorder. Go follow our social media to have a chance to win a prize giveaway. All the details about the prizes will be included in the description box below. Lastly, I'd like to thank everyone who listened to our episodes. By listening, you are contributing to the change. Eating disorders is a prominent issue, and we are here to advocate for their awareness. We hope that you learn something new about eating disorders and can help contribute to the change.